Welcome into the harvest. Last month we did a couple of podcasts on church in the harvest, and afterwards we invited you, our listeners, to ask us questions on the topic. On today's show, Abigail and I spend time answering some of the questions you guys sent in. We ran out of time and we weren't able to get to all of the questions in this episode, so maybe we'll do another Q&A show in the near future. Like I said, this show is a follow-up to the previous podcast on Church in the Harvest, so you might want to go back and listen to those if you haven't already. They're episodes 9 and 10. We had a lot of fun with this Q&A format, and Abigail and I want to thank each of you who took the time to send in questions. Hey, everybody. It's Abigail, and I have Andrew on the line. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Abby. Hey, so it's been a while since we have recorded a podcast, actually. So how you been? Doing well. Yeah, we uh, we do these podcasts every two weeks, and we actually had your interview with Nathan Clark for our last episode. So it's been a, a month, actually, since you and I were on the podcast together. So doing well. Life is busy, as always. How about uh, you guys? We're post-Labor Day, so... What's new for you and the the Wilson household? Well, I now have two children in school, so I only have one at home. So, I mean, I am just clearly rolling in free time. Um, I just don't even know what to do with myself, so it's great. (laughs) But um, actually, I am having a little bit of a moment because the last time we recorded, when we recorded our Church in the Harvest Part 2, I was actually at the beach Boy, man, am I missing that moment. <laughs> so me sitting here in my house in San Antonio is just not as great. So I'm I'm sad, but I'm going to make it and we're ready for fall. Yeah, same for us. The kids are back in school. Um, our younger kids are, are back in school. They're, we've got two middle schoolers. And so we're actually homeschooling them this year, which is which is new for us. So learning as we go. They seem to be enjoying it so far, and I think that they're learning, so that's good. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> that's all you can ask. It's always for. important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we had a uh, we had a great uh, outreach barbecue this past weekend here in San Diego with the local community, and we had several of our church groups get together. Every three or four months, we try to do a, a rally where we bring all of our fellowships together and did that this past Saturday, and I think that went really well, so that was uh, encouraging. And then this past weekend, one of our cars was stolen, <gasps> so it was a little exciting. What? <laughs> yes. Dude. Yeah, we walked out. We walked out Saturday morning, and Cindy asked, where's your car? Oh, my Because gosh. it had been parked in the driveway. But yeah, the really crazy thing is that's the second time that what? this particular vehicle... Has Dude. been stolen in the past five years, so it's I mean, uh, we got some classic Southern California. <laughs> that is crazy, and I feel like <laughs> yeah. I last time like... they recovered it, so if okay. people want to say a little prayer, that would be great. Hopefully, uh, the odds yeah. are definitely stacked against us. We live so close to the border that oh. uh, it's pretty common for vehicles to be stolen, taken across the border, and then either used south or chopped up and resold for parts so man andrew i guess odds are that's what's going on but we'll see uh, it's time for a new a new ride for you i guess i don't know that's 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 what i told cindy that's the silver lining (laughs) i feel like you and i recently talked about how you were not particularly loving your vehicle so maybe maybe this is a little blessing in disguise 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That is a shocking story. Wow. You know, we actually had, this is off the subject, but we died on the side of the road coming back from a date and had our very first toad experience um, a few weeks ago. So I had never ridden in a tow truck before. It was very exciting. Um, So yeah, good times. (laughs) Good times. So you guys actually, you guys actually (laughs) rode in the tow truck. Yes. Oh, yeah, we did. It was very exciting. I mean, our kids were at home with a babysitter, and we really, we were pretty close to home. In fact, the tow truck guy took our car all the way to the dealership and then drove us home. He was super nice. He was also like slash Uber. Anyway, it was, it was very exciting. Um, so yeah, (laughs) guys, that's what's going on with us. (laughs) Well, it's definitely good to be back on the podcast together and, um, you know, do you want to share with our listeners a little what's going on in our lives? But we are excited about the podcast. Last time we talked about we were at the halfway point of season one. And so this particular episode is going to be uh, episode 12 of season one. And we really do see the podcast as something that is going to be a big emphasis for us going forward. I think it's it's a format that allows us to really dig in to topics that... I think are important for us as followers of Jesus in living out our faith in the 21st century. And you and I were talking, Abigail, about just trying to let more people know about this podcast. And there is a way that our listeners can help us do that. So tell us more. Well, you can always, always put a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, apparently, according to the internet, this is the place for you to leave your comments and your reviews because for some reason that helps with our um, searchability, basically. So um, if you have been thinking to yourself, boy, I really love the anecdotes about the cars, you can jump on there and leave a little comment or a little solidarity or whatever you'd like, um, and a five-star review, obviously, and that will really help us tremendously. We also will read those comments. I for sure will. I'm a huge fan of feedback. I'm obsessed with it. So if you leave something, we will read it. And we will even go so far as to read it on this podcast on future episodes. So you can say whatever you'd like um, within reason (laughs) with all the, you know, with like good words, with all the PG words. And we will read them on the podcast and then take into consideration your thoughts and feedback. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it basically helps us in, in those two ways. First of all, it just helps us have some feedback because obviously this is, we think of it as a conversation, but most of the time we're talking together and then putting it out into the ether. It's always great to hear feedback either in person or over social media about how things are going so that's helpful, but like Abigail said, it also it does actually boost the visibility of the podcast itself on platforms like iTunes. So we don't know exactly how all of the the math works. No, we don't. But know. when you leave a rating, yeah, when you leave a rating, when you leave a review, that actually boosts the visibility of the podcast and helps other people find it. So that's definitely yeah. something that you can do to help us get the word out. And also, just it, at the risk of asking for too much, you can also just let your friends. And your fellow believers know about the podcast, have an actual face-to-face conversation, and uh, let them know about it so that they can hopefully benefit as well. 
Yes. And um, I just want to throw in one last thing before we get going on this show because we've got some really good stuff to cover. Um, I really need to just let everybody know that we are super close to 1,000 followers on Instagram. And I am just a teeny bit obsessed about this. Like, there's really nothing I can do about it. But I just, like, every morning wake up and I look to see how many followers we have. And that sounds really lame. And it is. But I just want everybody to know what's going on in my mind. And we love every last one of you followers. And so if you have some friends that you want to have a chat with and just say, hey, if you need some encouragement, if you want some solid teaching, End of the Harvest is for you you will know that I will see that follower and be super psyched about them because only oh, do I want to reach that 1,000. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> We've sort of been like hovering in the same spot for about a week now. Oh, uh, yeah, that'd be crazy. fun. It would be yeah. fun to hit uh, 1,000 followers. That'd Come be on, cool. friends, let's do this. Okay, but also let's do this podcast. So right now we have promised you and teased you a Q&A show with us for a little while now. In fact, back at the end of our, Church in the Harvest series, which are episode 9 and 10, I believe, which if you haven't heard those, go back and check them out. We actually just did a little throw out of if you have any questions for us, like shoot them our way. And so we've been collecting questions for about a month now, and we have brought some of those questions to you today. And I am super psyched about all of them. I think they're all going to be some really juicy things for us to cover. So we want to jump right in to this Q and a show. So let's get started. What do we have first, Andrew? So the first question that we're going to tackle today came over our website for episode 11. Someone left us some feedback there in one of the comments. And the question is, is there benefit to having a full-time dedicated person shepherding the flock? And do people miss out on something when everyone has a full-time job? So go ahead, Abby. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know what? I The first question, I would say, yes, there is benefit to having a full-time dedicated person because, wow, so much easier, right? I mean, for sure, somebody who just wakes up in the morning and that is their dedicated job um, really helps to keep things healthy and strong. And um, I think a church does benefit from that in a lot of ways. But then the second part, do people miss out on something when everyone has a full-time job and they don't have a dedicated person? Then I start to think, man, you know what, though? Hard can sometimes be really, really good. So just for full disclosure, and I think you guys already know this, um, Brett and I are not full-time ministry people. We Brett has a full-time job. He also has a part-time job too. So he is in the army reserves as well as having another full-time job. Um, and then I would go ahead and say that my job as a stay-at-home mom and an author is also a full-time job. So um, we do some other things with our lives as well as ministry. And so I I will answer this question from that perspective. And then I really want Andrew's thoughts because he is obviously um, does ministry full-time. So I think we have maybe some good perspective on either side here. And I will also say, I think there is good on both sides. Um, so I guess on this, from the silver lining on us having full-time jobs and being in charge of a, a house church and being kind of the elders of actually two house churches, um, we have found that because we are not able to literally do everything, the church really has to rise to the occasion. And I think we all benefit from that. Um, I'm just 
think of, you know, where it says in Corinthians about, you know, the body being made up of many parts. I think that whenever everyone knows that everyone here has a full-time job, we're all working together, um, then we really start to step into our roles that maybe we have giftedness in that, you know, we wouldn't have necessarily stepped out in if there was some leader and kind of in charge of everyone who is doing it full-time. Um, and so I, I just have, I did think about this question for a while and thought about, you know, what about when there's been struggles in people's marriages, you know, was there someone to counsel them? Yes, there was. You know, what if when somebody got really sick, you know, was there someone to go and pray over them? Actually, the whole church did. We all went and prayed for them. You know, when people are sick and we need to take them food, did we, you know, did we get that happen? Yes, we did. You know, so I think um, Mm. those, the areas of the church are then cared for by the church. And I honestly think that that benefits the whole, that we are a lot healthier because we know we're all actively playing a part and not just passively taking from the church. So I actually think it can be a real beneficial thing. Um, but Andrew, I want your perspective as a full-time sort of minister of the gospel. Like, What do you see um, as far as some pros and cons there? Well, I really agree with what you were just saying. In fact, I was having a conversation with one of my friends here in the local area about this very subject just last night. It wasn't related to this specific question being asked, but just it's a topic that comes up. And this uh, particular person is going to be moving to a new location where they they won't have that full-time person. And so that's a, a subject that we, we talked about. And it's interesting to hear your answer there, Abigail, because that was very similar to what I shared with him, is that I think the benefit of you know being in a regular vocation and yet also leading in ministry, making disciples, and, you know, having the house church model, even though you don't have a full-time person, is that it's really going to enable you and others that you partner with to grow. Because it's so easy when you're not in that role and there is someone else to to sort of hang back and you you know that things are going to be taken care of. Even even small details like logistics, like like for most believers they don't have to do any prep work leading up to Sunday, a Sunday morning service. Um, if you have kids, you need to get your family together and try to get there on time. And then you you, you basically take in what uh, people are covering. So I think the, the advantage is your growth, I believe, is going to be exponentially higher when you're taking on those responsibilities and not just allowing someone who who's in vocational ministry, take those things on. And I would say from my point of view, that's been the approach we've tried to take, even though I am in full-time ministry, my primary role is to develop the next generation of leaders, most of whom are not going to be in full-time ministry. And so I try to be very careful not to do for others what they can do for themselves, even though they're not in full-time ministry. But one of the things that I've often said is that in the business world, time equals money. And you hear that all the time, that if you're wasting time, you're wasting money. In full-time ministry, money equals time. And so the reason why we're able to do what we're doing, which is full-time ministry, is because other people are giving and investing. They, they know who we are. They see the work 
that we're involved in, and they want to see that. They want to see us have the time and the capacity to dedicate ourselves fully to that. But the work itself is is very similar. It's just that we have more time to do more of it. Mm. Um, and so for someone who's in full-time ministry, it isn't so much that we're doing something that someone else couldn't do. It's just we're doing more of it. We may have a broader span of influence and investment. We're coaching shepherds more so than just shepherding one yeah. one or two local groups. So Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. I um basically we're doing the same thing. You're just doing it on a larger scale. So what we can do with just one little um kind of community and group, you're able to do on a you know, more of those groups or more of those people. Um and that makes a lot of sense. And I, I really especially love that because most of the time you know, we really consider, you know, whatever we're doing, is this something that other people can do? Like, is this reproducible, really? Are we superhuman? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> and so I, but it's really important that people see that, that we're not superheroes, and which everyone knows, but, um, but it's very important to say, and also, you know, what you're doing, you know, people could, you know, be like, oh, well, of course he can do it. He does it full time. But the bottom line is that no, everyone can do this. Um, It's, this is something that we are all called into as followers of Jesus. And so um, we all have a part to play in, in the ministry, in the church, um, Big C. And, uh, and so I think that, yeah, there's, there's really a lot to be said for everyone um, becoming a part of that and in, in knowing that they have an important role to play. There's not just some leader that's the important person. So, you know, the question, the question specifically, do people miss out on something when everyone has a full-time job? I think, yes, just like you said, yes, they do. I think, and I don't mean this in a snarky way, but they miss out on some of the convenience of having someone else who's sort of pulling things together where it's more comfortable. And again, I I want people to believe me that I'm not saying that in sort of a passive aggressive way. I mean, that is something that goes away that disappears when you don't have someone who is in full-time ministry. But what I think you're missing out on when, when you are in a system that has full-time people is a lot of the development and a lot of the lessons that God wants to teach you that you're going to be, it's going to be harder to learn those when there's someone else who's sort of taking those blows or taking those things on. So I think you miss out in that, in that sense, if, if you aren't in a position where it's on you, then I think what you're missing out on is a lot of the development that, that can come with that. So yeah. There, there's definitely benefits and costs associated with both. Absolutely. And that kind of takes us into our next question, which is how do you convince people that this method, and I'm assuming that they're talking about Church in the Harvest because that's where they asked this question um, was on in response to those podcasts, um, and that it works and that it's legit. So... Um, this is a great question, and we have actually spent a lot of time pondering it, um, especially here in San Antonio, where we do work with a lot of 
traditional churches um, and go in and kind of do trainings with them on how to share God's story and their story and just kind of share some of the tools that we use um, when we're out in the harvest. And so, you know, we do spend a lot of time like, how do we convince them that what we're doing works? And the bottom line is stories. Stories are what work for us. Hmm. Um, I, I think that we probably all agree with what the Bible has to say. Um, and at least we all think we agree. <laughs> and so I, I, I think we could spend all day, you know, like kind of going into the, the wording and what they meant here and there. And we've obviously spent some podcasts discussing, you know, what the Bible means when it talks about church. But um, what I have found works more than anything is to just tell stories about what we're doing in the harvest, because that is something that we can't dispute. We can't dispute people getting saved and people growing and being really healthy in their walk with the Lord and then sharing the gospel themselves and seeing people saved and seeing people baptized. These are the things that show people that it works and that it's legit. Um, and if we don't have those stories, then maybe it's not working and maybe it isn't legit. But we do. We do have stories of showing that people are are coming to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ and they're growing as a disciple of Jesus, um, quickly and seeing change in their lives. And I think that speaks for itself. Um, and honestly, I am, I'm not great. I think you probably all have picked up on this. I'm not great with just expounding on, um, how, what the Bible has to say about stuff. That is like full on Andrew. He has, he's got the gift of teaching, but I, on the other hand, I do love to tell a good story, and thankfully, I think we have a lot of great true stories to tell um, that this really is working, and we're seeing that change. So um, if you out there are, are doing this, like just keep doing it and keep collecting those stories. When you um, see some encouragement in your ministry, like don't be afraid to share that with the world, um, you know. Use your own social media. Just tell your friends. Um, tell people what's working. Well, I think um, one thing I would say about this is that you're not going to convince everyone. So the question, again, is how do you convince people that this method works and is legitimate? You don't, you're not going to convince everyone, and you don't need to convince everyone because this particular method or approach to church is it's an approach. It's not the approach that everyone needs to be a part of. I, I think that the traditional model of church and approach to church and disciple making that we see in the United States certainly is something that at this point in our history, most people are going to be involved in. And God is at work in that model and through that approach. So mm, yeah. if there are people who have hesitations or they just, they don't buy into it, uh, that's, that's okay. That's, it's not for everybody and and that's that's fine. I also think that this question is asked in a very uh, solid way because does it work? Is it legitimate? Those are actually, I think, two separate things. So what Abigail was saying, I think, does do the best job of communicating that, hey, this this approach, this model, it does work for reaching people who would not necessarily participate in a traditional approach or a traditional model of church. And stories are, I think, the best way of communicating that. But the second question of, is it legitimate? That's really, that's a topic that we addressed in episodes 9 and 10 of Church in the Harvest. And I think that the two best ways to communicate the legitimacy of this approach 
is to really go back to the Bible itself and understand what is the Bible talking about when it describes church? What are the models of church that we see in the scriptures themselves? Because for us, scripture is our authority. And so if we see the freedom to be the church in a similar way that, that we're doing, Church in the Harvest, if we see that in the scriptures, then why wouldn't it be legitimate? And then secondly, I think just knowing history, knowing especially the history of the church, understanding how we got from point A to where we are today, and, and to realize that what we see today when it comes to church is not the way church has always looked. It's not even the way church looked two or 300 years ago. And I think that begins to give you a little more freedom to say, okay, it doesn't have to be a certain way, that there are other legitimate expressions of church, and this is one of them. So I think it's a great question. <laughs> yes, and Andrew, you just totally made my point. You did a great little teaching job just then. And friends, please <laughs> go back and listen to episode 9 and 10. We really, I, I do think, um, I'm really proud of those episodes because I do think we laid out just kind of step-by-step why this is legit. So um, you can then take notes and just repeat it to your friends and whoever else asks the question. So yeah, I am, I, yeah, great, 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 great. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this next question and maybe we'll have time for one or two more. But this next question was asked again on the website through the comment section. And the question is, what does tithing and offering look like in this model and my understanding would be the the model of church in the harvest or house church uh, a non-traditional approach to church what does tithing and offering look like i like this question it's actually something that's come up um three three other times in the past two weeks just here in our local area so it's a question that i do think a lot of people ask not just uh, what does tithing and offering look like in this model but just the broader topic of of tithing and giving for christians what does the bible teach you know we're not going to go completely in depth on this on this show i am going to put together a youtube video on this and so that's something that we'll try to put out over facebook or or over our monthly recap email but i want to do a video just on the broader topic of biblical giving and and how that is described for us in scripture but i would say that when it comes to giving for christians there are three basic questions that come to my mind so the first is um, should should we give so without even assuming that that we should should we give and if so why i think that's that's an important thing to ask and then if we should give how should we give or how much should we give would be part of that question. And then finally, um, where should we give? Where should our giving go to? And so I would just set that out as a framework, as a starting point. And I would say that we should give uh, first and foremost because it reflects the character and the nature of God, that God is a, a, a giving God. He's a generous God. And we as his people are being shaped into his image. So Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So we should be givers. In terms of how we should give, I, I'll i talk about this more on the video, but I do not believe that we as new covenant people of God are obligated to tithe, to give the 10%. I think that that is an old covenant model that was very specific 
to the old covenant. It was the amount, but also where you tithed, who you tithed to <laughs> is, is not something that carried over into the, the new covenant. So, but how we should give in, in the New Testament, there are some, there are some directions that, that the Bible gives us. And so we should give generously. Um, we should give as we have decided in our heart to give. So it should be something that's thoughtful and that is characterized by generosity. And I would say sacrifice, that we should give sacrificially. You know, when Jesus was, this is a really cool story. I, I, I don't want to go too long on this, but there's a story from the Gospels where Jesus was in the temple and he was watching people put in their offerings, put in their, their alms for the poor. And there were people bringing large, wealthy people bringing large bags of money. And then there was a widow who came and she, she put in two small coins, very, a very small amount of money. But Jesus calls his disciples over and he makes a point of directing their attention to this widow. And he says that she gave more than the others because she gave out of her poverty. She gave everything that she had. It was a greater sacrifice for her to give those two coins than it was for these wealthy people to give out of their excess, even though they were giving more money. Uh, I think it's fascinating mm. just that Jesus was people watching. I think that's a really cool <laughs> insight that, that Jesus is that's the just paying away. attention. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he sees um, the, the heart. You know, no one else probably saw. Yeah, no one else probably thought, oh, that widow is very generous. But Jesus sees it. And so we should give thoughtfully. We should give generously. We should give sacrificially. But yeah, let me just stop talking there and turn it over to you, Abigail. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this question of what does tithing and offering look like in this model? I don't know, Andrew. How do I even follow that up? I really love that you just like blew the lid off of no tithing for everyone. Super casual like. And I think that that is just the trailer, so to speak, for this YouTube video you're about to do. I'm really excited about it, um, and I hope everyone will will take a listen or a watch whenever it comes out, because I think it's going to have some really good points for us. Um, but I, I think maybe, once again, I come from the very practical side of things, um, and I'll just tell you what we have experienced in our house church, which is really everything that we come up against... Um, Everything really comes down to being a heart issue and sort of a, a lordship issue. And so once we've, you know, gone ahead and made sure that whatever we're asking people to do is biblical, which I think at least when it comes to giving, um, it is very much a biblical thing for us to do. Um, and so once we kind of got to that point, um, then it sort of was about, you know, are we as a church, are we giving, you know, just because it says that we should do it? Or is this, you know, from our heart of hearts out of, you know, belief that everything belongs to the Lord and we trust him and, um, and we're going to trust him even with our money. Um, and that's where our house church really struggled because we didn't have like a, a box in the back to give into or a a house church treasurer, so to speak, um, we really mm. left giving up to the individuals. And so we would talk about it, um, you know, when we were studying the word um, and it would come up as like, you know, are we, are we being obedient in this? Um, and over and over again, 
when we would do this um, kind of diagnostic of our church called the church circles, um, it was always like on the outside of our circle, meaning we were not being obedient in it. And so just recently, um, we as a church sort of set up like an account for the church to give into when they felt like they needed to give to the Lord or um, that way we could have sort of a resource to pull from when there was a need, whether it's a need in our church or a need within, you know, the greater body of Christ. Um, And I think the coolest thing about that is that people start to see how even little people like us in a teeny tiny body can really have a big impact and um, and really be useful and helpful and see that help um, being carried out that we can in fact you know send help financially to Jerusalem so to speak um, when we're reading in the we're actually reading Philippians right now and Philippians is a letter of thank you to the church in Philippi um, because they've sent money um, to help and so. I just, I love the concept that we can live out that, that aspect of the body of Christ of helping one another. And that's really where we, we want to be about that. Um, We don't want to necessarily be all technical and, you know, like you must give and we must be at the beginning of the month and all that type of jazz. But we do want to be helpful to our little flock, so to speak. And so what was helpful to them was to help them set up a like a, a pattern or even just the, man, I'm like losing this word. What is the word for a, uh, a habit? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Habits, um, the habit of giving. Um, yeah. And for a lot of them, if you know, they've lived their whole lives not being Christians and you come in in your mid thirties and you're like, what, you know, I'm supposed to give money to the church <laughs> and to God, you know, that's a really hard concept to grasp and you may even want to do it, but you've never done it before and you forget. And so, um, how could we help them? And so, you know, for our church, we just had to find a way. So I think it's really about helping each other be obedient to what Christ is telling us to do. And that could even just be, you know, hey, friends, I I feel like God's telling me to give away my extra bike that we have in our garage. And I just, Hmm. I know I need to do that. And I just keep forgetting to do it. And everyone there is like, oh, yeah, you know, pray that you remember to do that this week. And so, you know, that helps us as followers of Jesus to, you know, help each other and remind each other of these things and to be obedient. So I think it really just comes down to helping each other be obedient, which is actually in all things, not just giving. So that's all I have to say about that. So let's see, Andrew. Well, I, let me let me just follow up on that quickly. I think that's I think that's really helpful, and I think that's probably what this person was getting at. So the question of just practically speaking, how would it look? I do think that there are, are three targets of giving that we see in the Scripture, and especially in the New Testament. And the first of those is supporting those who are in full-time ministry. Paul talks about that. He calls it the right of support, and that if you are benefiting spiritually from from full-time ministers who are investing in you spiritually, that, that you should be reciprocating by providing for them materially. Again, you know, money equals time. So that is, that's a valid New Testament 
source or, or target for our giving. Yep. A second is just needs within the body of Christ. So within our uh, local fellowship, one of our local fellowships here in San Diego, we had a young couple who recently had car troubles and it was over a thousand dollars for the repair. And we had a couple of members within our church who knew about that situation and separately decided to, to give t- to this couple to help them fix their vehicle. So there are, are practical needs within the body of Christ that we can, we can give to help each other out. You see that in Acts chapter six with the church in Jerusalem taking care of widows who were part of the church. And then the third place where we can give is to the poor and needy all around us in society. So giving alms to the poor was a practice of the early church, and it's something that we ourselves can also um, give towards with our giving. So there's there's definitely places to give, and it's, it's just making it a point of being thoughtful and developing that habit or that practice of giving. And I think what you said was really important, Abigail, is that if we don't, if we're not intentional about it, it is something that's easy to just not develop the, the habit and the practice of generosity, that generosity is not something that for most of us comes natural. So it just needs to be something that we're aware of and that we take steps so that we can begin to obey and give uh, generously and, and sacrificially. Yeah, and I think, well, I was just also thinking about how, you know, we we would love it if it just came naturally to just be the most joyful and generous givers. Uh, And I think maybe we even think that that is going to happen when we start to follow Christ, that we're just going to become just, oh, I'm just going to give everything, you know, to the Lord. And for some, it may even be easy for them, but for most of us, it probably isn't. Um, And so I think looking at it as something that we're practicing, that we're doing to be to be obedient, and then hopefully it will start to feel maybe more natural to us and more joyful to us. I mean, that's just an important thing for us to remember. Like it doesn't, you know, yeah, and I think that's it. That's all I have to say. (laughs) What do you think? Do we have time to tackle one more question? Ooh. Or should we save that for our next our next I think we're gonna have to save it friends and we do have a couple more and we want you to know that we take every single one of your questions to heart and we want to answer them all. and we are going to do more of these Q&A shows in the future so if something we said today sparked another question in your mind or if there's something you'd like to discuss with us that we did not say you know go ahead and email us at info at into the harvest.org or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or on our website. And we are just collecting all of these great questions that you had. And I hope that we covered maybe some of the things that you wanted to hear about today. Uh, I hope we gave you some, some nuggets to chew on. And we are so grateful once again for all of your input and all the conversations that we get to have with you. It is truly an honor to be a part of your lives and the community of believers in the Into the Harvest family. So thank you again for listening. Thanks, Andrew, once again for all of your great teaching. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can help us reach more people by going to iTunes, subscribing, and leaving a review. And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend about us. In an age of social media, word of mouth is still the most powerful way to spread the message. 